Welcome back to The Human Exception. This week, we're heading on to ye old England, where Nathan is going to tell us about the ancient Ram Inn and its haunted history. And Hallie's going to talk about the Mermaid Inn in Rye and its story of smugglers, runaway Catholic priests, and world-class dining. As always, be prepared for some foul language, but also there will be some very medieval crime and punishment. Let's get ready for another Human Exception. Are we ready to do this? Let's do the thing. So ready. Ready, ready. Welcome back to the human exception. This week we're here to talk about houses. And it's not the Vancouver housing market because it's shit. So yeah, that's... <laughs> there's, there's, there's a market here? I thought it was just all overpriced. I thought, I thought you had to be able to access the market for there to be a market. <laughs> Oof. Oof. I don't understand why. You, well, no, I I know exactly why you aren't gonna move with me because you don't you don't want to come to the states. That's crazy. It's too far away. It must be a lot of work to have to move to another country and sort yeah, that shit out. You don't want. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do. Yeah. That. And yeah, the states. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. Quite honestly. <laughs> sorry, USA friends, but not sorry. No, that's no, no. And and yet yeah, you said it with that slight inflection in your voice. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, gosh. All right. I think, Nathan, you're first this time. Oh, oh shit. Oh, All shit. Right. We're going to talk about a really old fucking house. Yes. <clears throat> All right. So. Back in the mid eleven uh, hundreds, back in old yonder England land, ye oldie times, ye oldie times, <laughs> there once was a house called the Ancient Ram Inn. It probably wasn't so ancient back then because it was pretty new. Um, Still called the Ancient Ram back in back then, or? No, it was just called okay. the Ram Inn. The Ram Inn. Um, okay. I was also expecting you to pop off with a Dr. Seuss, and I'm really disappointed that you didn't <laughs> set up a rhyme. <laughs> nope, it's fine. Not this time. Damn it. Mm. Um, so this this house is kind of interesting. Um, it was built, again, in the mid-11th, 11th, 10th, 10th century. Nope. 12th century. That's probably <laughs> um, getting everything mixed up. So it's pretty it's it's pretty big. Um, but apparently it was larger. Uh, you can see that obviously that ex- there's an extension to this house that was built on, but this place looks old. Yeah. Real fucking old. That's- I'm so amazed that shit just holds together. Like, it's, right? It's yeah. Yeah, we're talking like 800 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, okay, the pyramids and shit, but that—that's a—it's a pyramid. This is a yep. house. I expect that shit to either get knocked down by wind, burned down because everything was on <laughs> fire at some point. <laughs> the whole <laughs> riverside on fire. Then this house is just like, hey, what's up? I'm still here. So for at the very least 400 years this house belonged to the church. Um, If you were the priest of the neighboring church, you were probably living here. Uh, eventually, it got sold out, uh, sold off in fifteen uh, forty. Uh, it also shows up, oddly enough, 
in one of the earliest surviving board games what? Uh, called Nine Men's Morris, which I don't know anything about. Um, I, I want to learn how you play it. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's just like old school Monopoly. Oh. <laughs> Still that fucker in a top hat every time. Except five percent of your earnings goes to. True. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. So this building, because of its sort of connections with the church and the fact that it's changed so many hands, has always had some sort of weird folklore, local weird lore to it. Most things. Things never really lasted all that long, long, and were never really obviously confirmed by anyone. Up until the point where a certain man named John Humphreys purchased this place in the 1960s. And John was a former train driver. Um he bought the <laughs> the land from a brewery who had it in their possession at the time for 2,600 pounds. And so this and, was 1960? Uh, 1968. Yes. Yep. And <laughs> so there were, speaking of some of those rumors, when he bought the house, someone let him know that it was believed that apparently redirecting any of the water on the property caused a portal for dark energy to open up. I love it. I'm already in all the way. It's a Tim Burton movie. Let's go. Uh, um, John attested to on many occasions that the specters have already made the house their home. Oh. And during his first night, he had claimed to be grabbed by the arm by a demonic force and dragged from the bed across the room. That's that's not the nicest way to say hello. Right. <laughs> I want to take care of your home and you're going to abuse me. Yeah. Not no, good. thanks. Note to future self when you turn into a ghost, don't do that. <laughs> or do, you know. Or do, and it, get your Marley on, I guess. It depends on the tenants, right? <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, later on, John, while searching through the house and exploring, would find evidence of devil worship, uh, <laughs> ritual sacrifice. Oh. He discovered skeletal remains of children just under the staircase. Ye olde satanic panic. Oh my god. Uh, broken daggers were found with the skeletons. Uh, supposedly he also saw you know some of the previous owners just chilling out you know hanging out together fine um yeah uh but you know he would walk into the common room and there would be people in the inn and he would see his own patrons and previous owners who should be long dead hanging out with them at the table um, like corporeal like do the do, like the like tenants there like are talking to them? Just said sightings. Just sightings, okay. Yep. I mean, that could be anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, he trying to trying to figure out how to word this. Um, So he obviously reported being attacked by multiple residents of the house that were not him. 
um, evil forces, as he discussed, um, poltergeists, things going bump in the night, uh, apparently a claim that there is a succubus that lives uh, in uh, at the inn and often torments visitors during their sleep. See, that it, could be a selling feature. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I also, ad I admire the dedication to spinning out the yarn as far as it will be profitable. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have to keep the lie simple to keep it straight so you can tell it over and over and over again. Right. So one of the interesting things about this property is that Supposedly, one of the reasons why he found some of these more, um, what they would refer to as like pagan uh, ritualistic items or devil worshiping items, is that now this one gets fun. Before the church decided that this is where the vicarage was going to be built that it was originally for quite a long time a pagan ritual site and if you look on specific maps you can see that on this particular property two ley lines cross that eventually make their way back to Stonehenge. That is not where I was expecting that to go. <laughs> I was waiting for you to be like, and then there was a fairy circle in the backyard and whoo! <laughs> uh, so, according to uh, local pagan folk, uh, this particular area is rich in uh, natural earth energy. And if these rituals were indeed done here, then it would make sense that this place being built on a pagan ritual ground may indeed be haunted. Well, all right, check so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, this place also, after, like, after a while, sort of shut down um, as a regular inn. However, while John could, he did take advantage of allowing people to run through the house, quote, quote, run, um, but come through the house and visit if you were ghost hunters, if you were just inter interested in paranormal tourism, stuff like that. So one of the main attractions uh, of this place was called the men's kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, so a local ghost hunting group was given permission to tear up parts of the concrete floor at one point searching uh, and eventually finding a sealed cellar um, or or sorry they were searching for a sealed cellar uh, but instead found a grave containing the remains of a woman and a child um, along with broken iron shards okay uh, and at this point, uh, after taking these pieces to the Bristol Museum and having them analyzed, they figured that these signs may point to some sort of ritual sacrifice using iron, an iron dagger. Hot. Um, on the way home uh. from this, the ghost hunters ended up in a pretty severe car crash. 
okay. I probably shouldn't laugh, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Did they live, or are the ghost hunters now ghosts? Don't know. Meta. <laughs> <laughs> um, at one point in the 16th century, uh, there was a woman from the local town of Wotan uh, who people thought was a witch. Uh, she fled trial and had a brief stay at the ancient Ram Inn, supposedly, uh, before being recaptured and burnt at the stake. Uh, oh. So supposedly, she still haunts the room where she had hidden, uh, sometimes appearing at the bedside of anyone who is brave enough, I guess, to stay the night. Has that witchy vibe. Mm-hmm. Now, there is the bishop's room, which is considered possibly the most haunted part of the building. Um, during the time that the ram was used as a functioning inn, um, most <laughs> most guests would just refuse to stay in this room unless people just didn't know about it, and then they would be unfortunate. And the inn didn't that. stop them; they were just like, "Now we got your money. You can go stay in the haunted room." <laughs> uh, so there were also there were reports of flying furniture. Oh, good God! Um. At one point, there was a medium uh, who wanted to stay there. She was thrown down the corridor after trying to open the door. Mm. Uh, other people have said that they've seen spectral monks. Um, and apparently one time the plumber said he came face to face with a the ghost of a mounted centurion. Mm. As well as other cavaliers in uh in full dress. Okay. Yeah, I think that's when you run. <laughs> right. Uh not to mention reports of a young woman hanging from the ceiling. Oh. Uh oh. a shepherd with his dog. Um <laughs> disembodied screams of a man at some point. Dear God. And At sometimes, people would feel that a invisible presence would just climb inside the bed next to them. Serious Ghostbuster shit right there. I don't <laughs> right. like it. I don't like it. So the last piece of this whole in is the Weaver's attic. So. The area that was once used by weavers within this place has been divided between a bedroom and just an open space. And while John owned this place, his daughter lived with him as well for some time. And she lived in a portion of this weaver's attic space at one point uh, with her partner. And the both of them uh, recounted often hearing the sounds of something heavy being dragged across the floor. Um, other visitors who have also used a similar space when she wasn't there have um, have also recounted the same thing. Supposedly, the attic is haunted by the ghost of the innkeeper's daughter previous innkeeper's daughter uh, murdered in the loft sometime in the 1500s. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So John took care of this place. He loved this place. And at the age of 89, 
um, December 12th, 2017, he passed away. So, uh, and he was the kind of person that uh, he, he bought up this land and yeah, a lot of the same things are happening, you know, here in Vancouver, all over the world where these companies are just buying up land and building high rises. He was the kind of stubborn old guy who was like, nope, this is my land. Fuck off. Um, and was always rejecting the offers of folks to, you know, demolish the inn and, and build something nicer and prettier. And now his daughter has inherited the place and still keeps it open to people who want to come in and check it out and and do the ghost hunting thing. That's pretty cool. Get on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Did she find out like how much it costs to stay there at night? <laughs> well, there's no you can't stay there now. You can't stay there anymore. You just visit. You just visit. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh you can stay if you're part of like a ghost hunting crew that yeah. it, you know, like a group that is doing the whole ghost hunt tour thing. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, it's it's not open to the public otherwise. Fair. Mm-hmm. It's a neat looking building. Yeah. Um I'm going to send you guys the thing when I was doing a little bit of research on trying to understand what ley lines were in this, like, sense. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, um, where did the where does this map of ley lines came from? Oh, that's nice. Crystal Skulls. That movie doesn't exist, by the way. Nobody asked. <laughs> um... Uh, apparently you can just fucking search Leyline Map UK. Tell me where the Stonehenge is. All right, all right. Okay, so I'm also gonna just throw in a map of the supposed European Leylines. Uh-huh. And you see Stonehenge is like a giant intersection of fucking a lot of them. It's so strange that that's where they cross. Wild. But somewhere. We have to do an episode on ley lines at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to we gotta get up in that ley line Easter Island. Like, <laughs> yeah. <all> of that. <laughs> uh, so, Hallie, I um, posted a picture. Uh, when I was looking at, you know, like sort of trying to understand the whole thing behind ley lines. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, there's these people. Here's a picture of people trying to harness the power of ley lines using crystal skulls. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That is truly remarkable. It's yep. a pity that you're doing that to those cool crystal skulls because I would like to, you know, like have those on my desk. Those are dope. I mean, why would you not use crystal skulls for cool witchy stuff? Well, exactly. And <laughs> if you're going to charge it you're, anywhere, you're going to charge it at fucking Stonehenge. Yeah. True. True. That's how you get the best paperweights. You, seriously, you could sell that shit on Etsy. Not even lie in the description. According to your knowledge, it sat on the ground at Stonehenge and soaked up some... I mean, fuck, I don't know, man. You can sell it for like $500. Here you go. All right, Hallie, I think you're up next. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I got a whole whole audience built in. Um, I love that Nathan and I have these two buildings that were built kind of around-ish the same time. (laughs) (laughs) It's in England. It's in East Sussex. It's known as the Mermaid Inn. Um, I had read about this. It might have even been in Atlas Obscura when I first ran across it. And it was like, oh, that's 
cool. It was built Hoenn now. Um, so the, here is a, actually, let me do this first. Let's not go out of order. Let's do order of operations here. Here is the Mermaid Inn as it stands today. Very cool. Has the lovely English ivy growing all over it. It looks like it was built sometime in the last, oh, 800 years. Give or take. Great, great German architecture. Yeah. <laughs> that is very cool. I like it. It's pretty cool. I have a shot of the interior. Um, Wikipedia has some really good images of this place, and it is bananas. I would love to go in there, and at the same time, I could just tell those ceilings are real low. <laughs> <laughs> Even for someone who's a shorty like me. Get a little claustrophobic. So the Mermaid Inn, as it stands now, is an inn. And they have a very nice restaurant attached to it. It started as a cellar. It started as a wine cellar in 1156-ish. Somewhere around in there. Um, The cellar has been there since this place was first dug. Since the pit was dug to put the cellar in. So it went from a cellar to an inn. Eventually, it became a smuggler's hideaway. Ooh. We're going to talk about contraband tea. <laughs> I know. I'm very excited about this. Uh, it was a bolt hole for runaway priests at one point. All mm-hmm. right. There used to be secret passages all over this place. They've sealed them up now with uh, fake fireplaces. But yeah, there used to be actual secret walls. That's really it's cool. Pretty friggin' cool. Around the turn of the 20th century, it became an artist or a bohemian club. (laughs) Uh, Very famous. And it's apparently also super, super, super haunted. (laughs) Because of course it is. Because of course it is. Uh, So the Mermaid Inn is on what is now known as Mermaid Street in Rye in East Sussex, which is southeastern England. It is extremely well known. Uh, in the country and around the world. It has a, as we've just glossed over, buck wild history that I was so excited about. <laughs> as I started digging in, I was like, what in the frickin'? Ah. So Rye is a port town. Um, the port has provided safe harbor for ships of the controlling country since the town was founded. Um, it was claimed by the French. It was taken by England. It was reclaimed by the French and then completely burned down. Whole big, long, long history. Um, but in its heyday, back in the ye olde 1100s, 1200s, uh, the inn was known for its custom-brewed beer. Do you want to guess oh, how much good. they charged for a room a night? What year was it again? So this would have been between the late 1100s and early 1200s. What, like two pence or something? A uh, rough currency now would be a penny a night. <laughs> <laughs> I Damn. could afford that. I know, right? <laughs> In a port town. So you might actually have a view. Who knows, right? Yeah, this place was nuts. It brewed its own ale. Um, it got really famous with, as you can imagine, sailors. Because of this. So pretty rowdy. Um, The entire town of Rye was basically burnt to cinders in 1377 during the Hundred Hundred Years War. There's very little left. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was like, oh, I better brush up on my history. But then I remembered. I was like, oh, boy, here we go. It was just a lot of walking for the most part. Basically, yeah. This this road sucks. You got a torch? Yeah, okay, over here. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, it wasn't the inn wasn't rebuilt. The cellar stayed, of course, because it's a stone cellar. Um, but the inn wasn't rebuilt with the help of people in Rye until the 1420s, and then it went under more renovations in the 16th century. And a lot of that, what I will say, is actually the final major renovation t- happened in the 1500s, and that's most of what we see at the inn now. So this building has not had an overhaul. (laughs) And you can't now because it's like a a tier two historic building. It's considered vital to the history of England because it is. So it's got that sweet like passageway thing. The courtyard. Yeah. Yep. It's pretty cool. So there's some cool pictures on that point. Yes. That is another piece of information I forgot to 
put in on the Rams in is it is also a tier two. Mm-hmm. It's a whole I thing. Like, I like how England has tiers to their protected sites. It's smart. I like yeah. yeah, I I dig that. I, I think I actually have it in here what that breakdown really means in case someone asked and I would be like, uh uh, grade we two questions like that. <laughs> I know, I know. So grade two defined as a particularly important building of more than special interest. And there are only 75 as of like early aughts, there were only 75 grade two listed buildings in England. Wow. Yeah. So that means like vital to the history of a certain region for sure. Which, I mean, yeah, it would be. Um, this place had crazy, crazy things going on in the 1500s. Catholic priests fleeing from continental Europe trying to escape during the Reformation. They stayed mm-hmm. there and hid. I know, right? If you, can, if you get to the, there's an oak panel um, in what's known as Scenes Lounge now. It's on the main floor of the in but you can actually find the initials jhs inscribed in the oak paneling jesus homonym salvator okay yep yep carved there by priests so you know little runaway catholic priests a little graffiti it's fine um (laughs) a little yes someone had a knife and they were going to town And then um, between 1550 and 1570, there were lots of functions there during... I love that they were, like, having dinner parties. There was such a thing called the Gentleman's Freeman's Dinner mm-hmm. and the Herring Feast. And Queen Elizabeth I was a guest at the inn around this time. So there you go. Royalty, as just a, like as us. As an actual queen or not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah just yeah. like us. <laughs> just like us. Yep, totally. She was slumming it like the rest of us. That place, you know that place was rowdy. Oh my god. Um, it actually ceased to operate by 1770 and then it just kind of sat around because it wasn't purchased by someone to reopen it as an inn until 1993. Wow. So I'm yeah. to sit there. To just sit there. Yeah. It it was owned, but it just wasn't operable. Yeah. Yeah. So the current owners uh, who bought it in 93, they still run it. Um, They still keep the restaurant chugging along. Here is the main parlor area entrance to the Mermaid Inn. You will see what I mean by low, low ceilings. Uh, Yeah. Oh, mama. Yeah, that's tight stairwell too. I know, no turnaround room in that stairwell. You are banging your bag on the back of your heel. Yeah, and God forbid anyone else is going down the stairs at the same time. (laughs) Yep, nope, traffic jam, instant bottleneck. (laughs) And then here is the restaurant as it stands now. Very famous. Um, You can go there, have a nice meal. Honestly, I would do it just for the atmosphere. Oh, that's quite pretty. Look at the fireplace. Okay, but if at the end of the meal, oh no, there is a fake emergency and they're like, "Quick, everyone through the fireplace." Through the bullet hole. And you just like walk out fucking in the alleyway somewhere. That would be badass. I just had a horrible thought and I was like, "Don't don't say it." And then <laughs> I'm I'm going to say it anyways cuz it's like Okay, tonight, you didn't know it, but we're all LARPing as Catholic priests running away from the Reformation. Let's go! (laughs) You get that real experience. (laughs) Genuine stay right there. Oh my god. Oh my god. (laughs) Sorry. That's amazing. I'm so sorry. No, you're not. I'm not at all. I thought it was hilarious. so good. (laughs) Anyways, all right, so let's talk about what happened to this place during the 1700s, uh, right before it stopped operating, partially stopped operating because of what happened with the Hawkehurst gang. So this is fun. Hawkehurst gang, all right. Hawkehurst gang, yes. So rise of Port Town, and um, like I said, it's been traded, it was traded back and forth between England and France as far as who... Uh, owned, quote-unquote, it during the late 1100s all the way through the mid to late 1300s. 
And uh, with it being a port town, of course, it is doing import-export and military purposes. So it's a lot of trade and a lot of dudes in uniforms uh, with swords. <laughs> sure. Um, the port town, if you uh, provided ships for the king's service, which Rai did, and they took it on as their main obligation and source of income, they would receive the privilege of being tax-exempt. An entire town. That's fucking wild. Yes, so of course, who do you think takes advantage of that but smugglers? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So they start sneaking in weapons, tea, fabric, tobacco, liquor. And this takes place all the way through the mid to late uh, 18th century, so 1700s. And what happened with the Mermaiden during the 1730s and 1740s is the Hawkehurst gang moved into town. So during this time, there were just basically giant smuggling rings. And they would all get into territory disputes with each other. And the Hawkehurst gang came from uh, Kent, originally Kent, England, and they controlled that area all the way to Dorset. And then all the way through little old port town of Rye. And they liked to use the Mermaid Inn as a secondary location to their base. Because of all the secret tunnels that ran from the inn. Like it was made for smuggling. Checks out. Yep, checks out. And there was actually a a really well-known, obviously later on after the gang was gone, but got to be a really well-known set of not-so-secret-secret tunnels. It ran from the cellars of the Mermaid Inn to all the way down the street, uh, a place called the Old Bell Inn, which was built in 1390, approximately. (laughs) That's so weird to say that. Such a strict... And then I remember how young of a country America is. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little buck wild. Um, so, and it would, this tunnel would run all the way down the street that runs parallel to Mermaid Street. And then at the, in the old Bell Inn, there was a revolving cupboard at the end of the tunnel and the gang would bust through there and get away. Through a revolving cupboard. Classic. I, somebody put a lazy Susan on that damn pantry and they were just like Looney Tunes through there. Just Mm -hmm. going. A lazy smuggler. Oh, I need to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Uh, There was a resident of Rye in the 1700s who remembered the smugglers as, and I quote, when the Hawkehurst gang were at the height of their pride and insolence, having seen them, Seated at the windows of this house, the Mermaid Inn, carousing and smoking their pipes with their loaded pistols lying on the table before them, no magistrate daring to interfere with them. Ah, It's pretty good. Uh, So they were a terror from about 1734 to 1749, using the inn, drinking with their weapons on the table, horrible manners. Like, how and then, big of a gang was this? Like, are we talking like hundreds like- of people. Yeah. Jesus, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were serious. <laughs> and they there was, was, like, everything that I could read was basically, oh, yeah, if you were in their territory and they didn't know who you were, it was a shoe first situation. <laughs> like, good God. Um, I just love the image, too, of a bunch of pirates drinking with, like, the loaded flintlock on the table. <laughs> Pistols at dawn, no need, they're right here. Um, so then it spins out into legend. So according to legend, some English officials confiscated some tea from one of the main ships of the gang. They then stole it back from the king's custom house in nearby Poole, England. And then there was another fight. <laughs> So this legend has kind of really gotten, like I said, it's spun out. Not really sure what's exaggerated and what isn't, but it makes for a really great tall tale. So the story of this tea and how it centers around the inn deals with the gang getting really pissed off that his majesty's army got their hands on their goods, basically. Like, hey, no, that's ours. And then two weeks after it was stolen from them off their ship, 
the gang, 60 men from the gang, supposedly ride into pool, storm the customs house with crowbars and pickaxes. They pack their saddlebags with tea, and then they leave behind the casks of brandy and rum because they're too heavy. Only in England. Oh, I know, right? (laughs) I was like, that's the most English fucking thing I've ever read. (laughs) Leave the rum, leave the rum, tell the tea. (laughs) Uh, Total brazen. Just marched up, broke in, stole their shit. Cat's balls. That's it's ballsy AF. So they just, and they just ride away. They ride back away to the Mermaid Inn. They go through Rye, and all the locals are peeping out of their windows, going, "What's happening? Oh my gosh!" So it involves what happens now involves supposedly this guy named Daniel Chater. He was a shoemaker. He had worked with one of the gang leaders, whose name was John Diamond, and um, they would harvest the fields together, but. Diamond, who's coming back from this raid, all, you know, up on his, like, oh, look what I did, decides that he's going to toss Daniel a bag of tea. Oh, no. Oh, yes. It gets worse. So word gets around that Daniel, the shoemaker, who's just, like, buddies with the guy who runs, or partially runs the gang, word gets around he knows all the gang leaders. And pretty soon, yep, months later, when that gang leader, Diamond, gets arrested on the grounds of suspicion for the break-in, the authorities need somebody to identify him. Well, guess who they go knock on the door of? They knock on his door on February 14th, on Valentine's Day, 1748. Mm. Just avoid in general. (laughs) (laughs) Just avoid. Horrible. So this guy, terrified, he's like, I make shoes, and that guy helped me cut my crops down once, and he threw me tea, and now you're, what's going on? Like, he's not into any of this. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Totally terrified. So it's him and a customs officer named William Galley. So they set out to where uh, John Diamond, this gang leader for the Hawkers gang, is being held in prison. On the way, they stop at a place called the White Heart Inn whose landlady had two sons who were both smugglers. This gets real intense. (laughs) So now I need an index. I need a a cast of characters. All right. So she gets suspicious of these two people who do not look like they should be hanging out together because one is a dressed customs official and the other looks like a shoemaker. He looks like a farmer, a peasant. Um. She gets suspicious, summons her sons and a few other members of this rival gang. They get the customs official and the shoemaker drunk. (laughs) They go through their bags and they find incriminating documents. So then Mama of Smuggler Sons decides that um, they're there to arrest them. Not the case. Yeah. Uh, and says then they need to be hung. So this gets violent. Really bad. Like, content warning on this. It gets really bad. Um, so what follows is really heinous. So these guys, these the shoemaker and the customs official, are awoken from their drunken slumber by a smuggler who jumped on the bed and drove his spurs into their foreheads. Oh my god. Yep. They're then flogged until they bleed. Tied like they're not to, already bleeding. Right, they're not already bleeding, but just like, hey, by the way, we're going to hit you with this cat of nine tails. Cool. Um, they are tied to the same horse. Oh, no. With one of their legs tied under the horse's belly and then whipped through several villages on a 15-mile horseback ride. Horse underbelly ride. Um, they spin around because, of course... They do. They're tied to a fucking horse. They get kicked yeah. in the face repeatedly by the horse. Yeah. And then occasionally one of the smugglers would just reach down and crush the customs officials' testicles. Oh my god. Uh-huh. They survive this. Oh my god. Yep. <laughs> and then when they reach the Red Lion pub 15 miles away... They know the landlord of this place, so they take the shoemaker and chain him up in a shed outside. 
And then in a foxhole where the smugglers stored bags of tea, they bury the customs officer after flogging him unconscious. They buried him I, alive. They buried him alive. Because That's when they... Maker. they Well, this was the customs official. Well, yeah, but I'm still... Well, like, but the other guy. Yeah, 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 totally. So um, when they eventually get the customs official's body, when he's disinterred, he was found sitting upright, his hands before his eyes. Interesting. Yeah. Buried alive. Wow. Buried alive. Then the shoemaker, they're not just going to shoot him, because that would be too easy. The rat. Totally not, but okay. He hasn't yet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, He starved and beaten repeatedly and then taken to a well. My God. And then as he kneels down to pray, a gang member hacks off his nose. Oh. Yep. The fuck? Yep. He's bleeding. He's freaking out. He tries to fling himself into the well just to end it. And he gets held back. And then they try to hang him. And then when that fails, they cut him loose and they drop him headfirst into the well. And then when he continued to still breathe, they oh my God. pelted him with rocks and gateposts until he was buried. Oh my God. Yup. That, oh that guy yep. had like the worst time ever. Yes, he did. So this is what eventually gets the most of the smugglers, including the Hawkehurst gang, out. This is what shuts them down and eventually shuts the inn down because people come forward with more information. They fucking they did all of this in front of people. Someone's going to say something. Yeah. 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 It's not like gang on gang violence anymore. (laughs) Exactly. You've just picked up. Yeah. And and a government employee. Yeah. Like, oh, boy. Um, so with everything that happens, there's a bunch of rewards that get offered for the capture of the gang members. Pretty soon they round up uh, they round up eleven ringleaders who are then um, executed if they don't confess. Uh, those who were treated as accessories to the murders actually got away with what was considered a light sentence, which meant they were just hanged and then buried in a potter's grave. Nice. Um, however, if they were convicted of murder, they got what was considered to be maybe the most feared punishment of the time. Which was they were hanged and then their bodies were hung in chains and left to rot in the open. And it was illegal to cut the bodies down. Mm. Ew. Ew. Yes. So all of this eventually shuts down all of the hideaways and the gang hideouts. The mermaid Inn gets shut down. It's not all connected to this, but that was a lot of it. Um and it it was like this i was reading this and i'm going this is really brutal holy shit yeah <laughs> okay so mermaid in stops functioning um got, it gets picked up for a little while as a club in 1913 um and becomes that kind of like underground bohemian club you see lord alfred douglas there there's like all these rich famous weirdo artists doing i don't know absinthe i don't know um it was briefly used in 1945 during the end of world war ii as a garrison for canadian officers um yeah and then it did have uh in 1982 the queen did visit so she had lunch there there we go and then it was reopened again in 1993 as an inn, like I said, as it still stands today with the inn. You can stay there. You can book your rooms online. You could go eat there. I would totally eat there. Uh, would not stay there because I don't believe in ghosts. However, uh, basically half the rooms in this place are haunted. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little much. It goes back to the um, Hawkers gang because, of course, it does. How much uh, like to get a room? Like, is it expensive? I don't think, I don't know. With it being famous now, I'm very curious. That's a good question. I did not go that far because now I need to look. The other thing that's funny too is y'all want the Mermaid Inn in Rye. R-Y-E. You don't want the one in New York City. 
Just gonna put that out there. There's a lot of them. So, oh wait, let's do this right now. Book a room. Hold on. I'm very curious. They have a very slick website. This is great. Uh, single room. It's cute. Historical character room. Ooh. Four poster bedroom. Ooh. Let's do that. All right. Three nights. If you, if you book the historical character room, does it include the fake kidnapping? <laughs> the LARPing. <laughs> Okay, a twin bedroom. It's not the historical character room, but like a night there is 160 pounds. Horrible. So, like that's that's like that's a like, that's nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. So, that's like a nice Holiday Inn at the end of town. Yeah. yeah I don't so know what that. Not at all. Not for a historical place. Yeah, it's like two hundred dollars. Yeah. Something. Okay. Okay. So it's a Hilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's yeah, yeah. It's like an, it's like a nice in, but it's not like the you know yeah. outrageous in. Right. Well, I mean, you are not getting you're getting character. You are not getting all of the comforts of things, probably like air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. That's so, a- so apparently, this place is super duper haunted. Um, we will go down the list because I liked these details. I thought these were fun. So room one is said to be haunted by a lady in some kind of white or like faintly gray dress. She just sits in a chair by the fireplace. I was like, oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. However, when guests wake up the next morning, they have reported that they wake up and they find their clothes on the chair are wet. Like, soaked through. Interesting. No windows or pipework near the chair. So there's that. Um, In room 10, it's said to be haunted by the ghost of a man who has absolutely scared the piss out of people because he walks through the bathroom. (laughs) What's going on? Um, Room 16 was said to be the scene of a duel. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They will pass through the walls of some nearby rooms. And then eventually one of the men is killed. He's dragged into the adjacent room and thrown through a trap door into a dungeon below. The whole thing plays out like a Broadway show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Twice weekly on Sunday. Yeah. It's like... (laughs) Something's going on. Um, There was one reported occasion where an employee was tending to the fireplace when all of the bottles on the bottle shelf at the other end of the room fell. And the experience scared him so badly, he resigned immediately. And then, this is like the haunted, haunted room. And then in the same room, room 16, just so you know, if you ever stay there, uh, there's also supposedly the ghost of a maid. And she kind of floats through there. She was also apparently one of the girlfriends of one of the smugglers. And was killed by his fellow gang members because they feared she knew too much and would tell on them. Oh. Hmm. That's some bullshit. Yeah. You think you're dating a bad boy, you're like 16, and he's all hot <laughs> and stuff, stealing tea. Murder. I laugh, but it's like totally true though. She was like <laughs> 16. <laughs> oh my god. So the room next to it uh, is actually called the Kingsmill room. It's named after Thomas Kingsmill. He is a very well-known a uh, Hawkehurst smuggler who basically lived at the inn while they used it as a headquarters. And oh. uh-huh, it's said to be haunted by the ghost of a woman who was supposedly the wife of the gang's founder, a man named George Gray. And she is said to haunt the rocking chair in the room. Okay. I'm instantly out. <laughs> Apparently, the chair was so bothersome and disturbing that they removed it and never brought it back. <laughs> I love that. Oh, she, I would, she's going to be pissed off now. Yeah, exactly. You moved your fucking chair, man. Checking her earrings out. We're going. Um, and then room 19, Hawkehurst, is supposedly haunted by a gentleman in old-fashioned clothes. No further detail there. Just saying. 
And one, I like how they are very specific about this. Not just one guest, one American guest <laughs> reported seeing him sitting at the end of her bed and she uh, rightly freaked out and spent the night in the empty adjacent room with a pillow pulled around her head. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. yep. Uh, spooky, ooky, ooky things. So the current owner is a woman named Judith Blinkow. And she's worked there since 1980 and then bought it in 93. So pretty cool. Um, she's given several interviews. I love this lady. She's like, although I have not personally seen ghosts, I have certainly met some very convinced and frightened guests. <laughs> so subtle, but it's so good. And of course, this place is like with all the local legends and then the violence that happened there and all the priests and bullet holes. No one knows what's going on. So there are a ton of people who go through there. Mediums, psychics, of course, amateur ghost hunters. And so yeah. the legend gets spun out more and more and more, right? Um, she said she's never had, Judith says she's never had a bad feeling there. Um, and so she figures that if anything was really there, it's long accepted her. <laughs> and that all of the employees have a lot of fun with the spooky aspect, supposedly, of the atmosphere. And that they're all very tongue-in-cheek about it. Which I think is very, very cute. And you know what? If you buy that building, you know what's up. You know you yeah. are buying a supposedly haunted building, so just lean into it. Might as well. That's what people Might are going to be well. there for. That's what people are paying for. That's what I'm saying. Judith, if you're listening to this, please start LARPing Catholic <laughs> priests. <laughs> Please do and it. The Vatican I mean it. shuts it down. And then the Vatican shuts it down and we never see anyone. The entire town of Rye gets put in a vault somewhere. <laughs> oh, anyways. That's it. That's the Mermaid Inn. That's a buck wild. The Hawkehurst thing is fucked up. Uh, wow. That, that, that's poor Shoemaker, man. I know. I know. Just he, it's like, hey, listen. Long time. I just, he just helped me cut my corn down one year, and now, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, that was great. <laughs> it was great. It was great. I feel really good about this now. <laughs> Even when I don't mean to pick the bummers, I pick the bummer. And that's it for this week. Next week, we're back, and I'll be taking you on a tour of the Winchester Mystery House and its enigmatic architect, Sarah Winchester. As always, links, pictures, and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. To keep up with all things exceptional, be sure to follow us on Twitter or Facebook at The Human Exception. Have a story you want us to cover? Want to tell us that we're wrong or just want to say hi? You can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. And to get in on the fun, come join us on our Discord server. Link can be found on our contact page. Keep on being exceptional, humans, and have a wonderful weekend. stuff to share <laughs> yay as always so first there's two things i'm sharing so i'm putting an image in the chat hell yeah in this image there is a little snail which kind of got a long <gasps> like cone shell that's cool so this showed up like a week or so ago and um i thought okay well maybe this is what the babies of those snails look like because we've never seen one before but then i googled them and it's like nope that's not what they look like at all they look like uh, what i sent out today i don't know where the snail came from mystery snail yep it uh must have been in the bag we went to the uh, from the stuff that we got from the fish store that this is the only thing that makes sense and then it was just too small that no one noticed oh Oh my gosh! Um, and then, like, seems like all the shrimp have kind of died out in the ten-gallon tank, which I was kind of bummed about. Oh. And then I was looking in the five-gallon, and then there was this little tiny orange shrimp. What? Oh my gosh!
there was a white shrimp that was pregnant in there. Um, and then it, it's like it survived, but I never saw any babies. So I just assumed that uh, because of me trying to sort out the water stuff that the eggs just didn't make it. Mm-hmm. But I guess at least one did. Oh, you one little. <laughs> oh, there could little be survivor. more. But yeah. 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 That's, true. <laughs> that's exciting. That's exciting. <laughs> the exciting aquarium life this week. Listen, I love it because I wouldn't know the first thing on how to care for this stuff. I think, nor would I have the patience. And I just am, I'm living vicariously through you because it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Never know what's going to happen at this point. <laughs> That's true. You could be, you you are creating your own little ecosystem, and sometimes you get a, a guest, you know? <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. 